Hi there, and welcome back to Out There, a cryptid podcast. I'm your host, Josh. Each week, there's a new episode focused on a cryptid that I find super fascinating and weird. And if you don't know what a cryptid is, it is defined as an animal that has been claimed to exist, but never proven to exist. Cryptids don't have to be supernatural or mythical beings. Although many of them are, some cryptids have actually become documented animals. Make sure you go and follow the podcast on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, and check out the posts I make for each episode, and maybe send some suggestions you'd like to hear. This week, we are talking about a cryptid that was the star of a famous movie franchise. It is a large intestine-like worm that roams the sand of the Gobi Desert. There have been a large number of expeditions by cryptozoologists, anthropologists, and even scientists to find out what could be living beneath the desert. With the ability to electrocute its victims and spray a harsh venom, it's been reported to terrorize the local people in the Gobi Desert for centuries, the Mongolian deathworm. Today's Weird Club inductee is my friend Carly. She's an awesome human being who can sing and dance her face off. Plus, she was raised on an orange farm, and they are delicious. Okay, let's dive in. Picture this. You're walking through the desert when all of a sudden you feel the sand tremble under you. It's almost as if a train just zoomed by beneath the ground. Then the sand opens up and a giant red, almost blood-colored worm opens its mouth and a yellow substance covers you and everything goes blank. Well, that is exactly what would happen if you encountered one of these death worms. Reports date back to when Mongolian nomads would write of something to fear during their journeys, saying the giant worm covers its prey with an acidic substance that turns everything a corroded yellow color. The story goes on to say that as the creature begins to attack, it raises half its body out of the sand and starts to inflate until it explodes, releasing the lethal poison all over the unfortunate victim. The poison is so venomous that the prey dies instantly. The local people have a different name for this creature. They call it algoi kokoi, which means intestine worm, due to its resemblance to cow intestines. Obviously, people fear the worm, but many of them also believe just hearing or saying its name brings bad luck. These worms are reportedly two to seven feet long, but it's hard to really tell due to the worm never really fully coming out of the sand. However, June and July, during the rainy seasons, it comes to the surface. Many locals say that they have seen deathworms during that time. There are actually a wide variety of sightings slash expeditions over the years, and the first famous one was in the 20s. 1926, American paleontologist Roy Chapman Andrews and his crew were on one of their many expeditions to the Gobi Desert. Andrews had become famous when he found fossilized dinosaur eggs there in the years prior. In his book, On the Trail of Ancient Men, he describes a time when did see something odd on one of his trips. He says that he saw what looked to be the tail of a worm submerging under the sand. But not just a normal worm, a huge worm. Andrews is even skeptical of his own sighting. He describes hearing many stories of a strange worm-like creature that lived beneath the sand the creature they call Algoi Kokoi. Now, you might hear Roy Chapman Andrews and think it sounds familiar. Well, that's because he was the inspiration for Indiana Jones. 
But in the same book, he described how he had talked with the Mongolian prime minister who wanted to catch the Mongolian deathworm, or Algoikokoi, because the worm had killed one of his relatives. Even with his own possible sighting, Andrews wasn't sold on there being a giant worm living in the Gobi Desert. But what he did do was introduce the Westerners to this cryptid. Since his book was widely published and sold, many people got to learn about the Mongolian deathworm. This started a fairly big interest from people, probably like us, who, who wanted to know more about this thing. So, expeditions slowly began over the next decade, and there were many of them. The next major expedition was conducted between the years 1946 and 1949. Yuri Orlov said that he witnessed such a creature. Him and his crew went deep into the Gobi Desert to find the existence of the Mongolian deathworm. Since they had their own sighting earlier, they were able to compare their sighting with the one described by the locals. And they matched. But there aren't a ton of specifics on their sightings, or sighting, but nonetheless, it has been linked with the deathworm tales and history. Around this time, Ivan Yurtfamov, a paleontologist and sci-fi writer, wrote a short story about a worm which resembled a bloody intestine that could grow to the length of a small man and mysteriously killed people at great distances, possibly with poison or electricity. Now, moving right along throughout the timeline, in the late 90s, Ivan Mackerel, a Czech cryptozoologist conducted many expeditions in hopes of being the person to find proof of this beast. He brought a new method that he thought might just bring the creature out from under the sand, a thumping device. This was inspired by the book Dune, but basically it sent shockwaves into the ground that theoretically would bring anything under the sand to the surface. Well, apparently it didn't work, or at least no worms came to the surface. But while they were there, a group of nomads that they became friends with told them about how the color yellow would attract the worm. Now, this isn't the first time people were hearing about this report, but nonetheless, this set a positive example to other explorers on how to find new and inventive ways to see the creature without harming it. All that being said, there was something very odd that happened to Mackerel on his investigation. Mackerel and his team stopped by a Buddhist monastery. They spoke to a monk there that claimed the creature they were searching for was a creature of supernatural evil. Now, this was a new one for the explorers. They had never heard of the deathworm having any supernatural abilities or being linked to the supernatural world at all. The monk went on to say that they were endangering their lives searching for the creature. They all left the monastery and chalked the warnings up to one person's interpretation of this worm and didn't think much about it. That night, Mackerel had a dream, a vivid dream about the worm. He says that he woke up drenched in sweat, and the weirdest part is that he had unexplained blood-filled boils on his back. This opens up a whole new possible side of this cryptid. I mean, could it have something to do with spirits or demonic forces? This is the only indication towards this side of the death worm, but it is very interesting to think about. Could be why these expeditions haven't turned up much evidence. I mean, either way, Mackerel collected enough photographs, footage, and data to make a documentary of his trip to Mongolia, broadcasted on the Czech television in 1993 as the Sand Monster Mystery. 
Now, the story I'm about to say is a very common story told originally by nomads about the death worm. It is unclear when it originated, but I've read it in multiple sources. So here's the sad story of the boy and the death worm. In a village in Mongolia near the Gobi Desert, a young boy was playing with a ball he got. The ball was something he loved so much apparently, and it was his favorite color, yellow. He plays for a long time in the sand and eventually makes his way back home. His parents were out at the market when he got back, so it was just him for a little bit. It's reported that when his parents arrived back to the house, they found the ball laying next to an imprint in the sand. The imprint had a strange mucousy substance nearby, but the indications in the sand led out of the house and into the desert. That was when they figured out what had happened. Their son was attacked and taken by the Algoi Kokoi. They had heard about this creature and sadly assumed the worst. But they must take their revenge on the beast that killed their son, so they followed the tracks in the sand. The other villagers told them not to, fearing that they would see the same fate as their poor son. The parents didn't listen. They took off in search of the death worm that killed their son. After the parents didn't return as night fell upon the village, they all feared the worst. Whatever killed the young boy killed his parents as well. People that lived in villages in the area were terrified of this cryptid. In 2015, a cryptozoologist named Richard Freeman reported that a whole village was shifted from its position when villagers heard about the sighting of this venomous animal. There was another interesting story that they heard during their time there. The local interpreter told them a story about another group searching for the death worm. The story was that this other group had traveled to the interpreter's home village. Apparently, one of them was poking the sand with the help of an iron rod, and then suddenly felt off. He apparently screamed this to the others, but by the time they reached him, he was already dead. But it didn't stop there. The others felt a sudden shake in the ground and then saw something round coming out of the sand. They ran for their life. Now, this is very frustrating to hear because if it is true, they could have caught the beast on camera. But also, I totally get it because their friend had just been killed and they didn't want to be next. Freeman made a documentary called The Layer of the Worm. And it's on YouTube. It has real stories from witnesses and locals, but he proposes one theory for the creature that does make a lot of sense, and he believed it was an unknown species of Amphisbanian, which is a worm-like lizard, but it's definitely in the lizard and snake family. We'll discuss that more during Weird Club. Like I said, this cryptid is a celebrity, having been the inspiration for many movies, including the Hollywood blockbusters Tremors. <laughs> now, Kevin Bacon was in the first one, and I have to say, it's not a bad movie, but there were a total of seven movies in that franchise. The beast in the movie was based off of the Mongolian death worm. There was also a made-for-television movie that was on sci-fi, which was titled Mongolian Death Worm. And there are many different video games that have something like this creature in them. There were also many different cryptid shows that the worm was investigated on. The two most popular ones were Beast Hunter, or Beast Man in the UK, that aired in 2011, but he caught no solid evidence. And it was also featured on my favorite show, Death Station Truth, in 2008. But sadly, Josh Gates and the team didn't catch anything either. What is challenging about this cryptid is there really isn't any physical evidence. Plus, a lot of the sightings or stories we know are secondhand accounts, which is really tricky to take seriously. 
due to not knowing the origin or maybe it got mixed up in the retelling and many other things. But the thing we can hang on to is what we talked about in Hellhounds with Jenna. The sightings and descriptions were thought by some to be too numerous and similar in ways for it to all be a coincidence or a misidentification. This week's segment of Weird Club is with my friend Carly. Let's see what she thinks about Deathworm. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Weird Club segment of the show. Today, we have my friend Carly. Hey, Carly. Hi. Okay, Carly, question. Are you a skeptic or a believer? I am going to go with believer because I'm I'm so gullible. Like, I hate to say (laughs) it, but, like, you can tell me one thing and, like, I'll, I'll be like, oh my gosh, so true. Or it's like, I had a dream. I'm like, that sounds real. I bet like that was so real. Like, you know, so <laughs> I'm so gullible. So yeah, I'm, I'm going with flavor. That's amazing. That is yeah. a phenomenal answer. Um, Thanks. <laughs> so you have heard all about this Mongolian death worm. Um, yeah. What are your first, just first thoughts right off the bat? Um, well, I think she's really scary, but she's kind of fierce. Like yeah. I would never want to, run into her right but the fact that i mean we you you told me that a whole group village fled just mm-hmm. by the thought of her like that's kind of fierce like yeah. i kind of want that power in my life True. so i'm i'm gonna go with she's cool um but really scary right um so the thing that about this i mean like i'm sure like cryptid fans like me we know about this death worm we've heard about it so many times we know um what it can do um and then anybody who's watched tremors knows what it can do as well um but i had to say like when i started researching this um so what i do when i put episodes for the podcast i kind of split up things that i think are fake and then real and i kind of like mix them up so that um the listeners get like a good balance and so I the gullible people up. like me right. no, you can just dive <laughs> right in. Um, I put this one into like, like believe, like Israel, um, <clears throat> which is why it's after Hellhounds, which Jenna and I just tore apart. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, now that I've like done the research, I'm honestly at a loss because like all, almost all of the stories are secondhand accounts. Right. Um, like, and no, like, I don't know. It's just, it seems like every, every story or every sighting that has happened is all through someone else. Like, right, oh, right, my right. brother saw it or like, oh, my, one of my, per, like one of my family members died from this, which is like, are you like, how sure are we? Did though? they really? <laughs> like, how sure are we that it was? the death worm um, right so that's like like just from off the bat for me that's where i'm like uh, i'm weird because True. and no pictures you said yes there's no yeah. photo evidence and that i mean like i don't know i guess it, it's it's 2020 um and i know that like probably in the gobi they're not like running for Snapping the new selfies. iphone selfies yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but after all these expeditions that have happened and like tv crews and all that stuff like nobody's caught 
anything that's where yeah that's where i'm like you told me about all the movies and tv shows that mm-hmm. have come about and i'm like really like no one like not even like the tale of her going back yeah. into the sand like we've got nothing that's where I, yeah i agree in this day and age yeah like it's just i don't know um you'd think that they would caught something even like even track marks in the sand you know yeah or the vibrations of the sand like you said right. she'll like vibrate when she's yeah. about to attack or something sometimes like they can track those they can track vibrations right. like yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that's just where I am. Like, you know, I'm just like, uh, I'm wary, but yeah. at the same time, like all, all the stories are the same. Right. And, and I guess to be fair, like, you know, with, with other cryptids, like big, like other mammals, it, there are like delineations that are easy to, to um, kind of like talk about. Um, and in this one, it's like a worm and you know exactly what it is. Whereas like, <laughs> right. if I said like, you know, it was a hairy thing. Then you're like, okay, well, that could be anything. Anything, so right, like, right, right, right. Um, so I'm, I don't know. Maybe that's the case of like the sightings are all the same because it's not hard to explain what you saw, or yeah. it's not hard to make up what you saw either. Right. It was a worm. Um, a huge. But, worm. Yeah, like a huge worm. Um, but so there was um, the scientist who kind of who did expeditions, and he theorized an interesting um basically he said that he thinks what's happening to people is they are um having like a psychological problem due to the heat in the desert and you know we hear about mirages we hear about heat exhaustion all that stuff yeah um and he basically was like listen they said that the sightings are more intense during june and july which are peak yeah hotness um i don't think that's how you it's like peak hotness <laughs> peak hotness like peak me heat. during the fall you like me <laughs> i mean right now at this very moment like me in my sweatshirt right now <laughs> um but honestly like that makes sense if people are just having these like heat exhausted visions. do they do they know about the worm before they go yeah so here's the thing ever since the expedition by indiana jones in yes the 20s yes this worm is like known by everyone okay especially adventurers and explorers like they they are they know this thing um so if that's already if you're going to the yeah and that's in your mind you know heat exhaustion boom boom worm (laughs) heat exhaustion (laughs) equals worm Worm. exactly and that's what that means um but it's it's honestly like it's an interesting theory um that being said like i mean i don't i've never had a heat exhausted i know i kind of wish i i did like i could could give more i know (laughs) pause really quick we gotta go um but i guess like it does happen like we've seen in movies when people think there's like an oasis in the desert right um so so yeah that's that's like one theory that i honestly i jump I on get behind with. that yeah like that makes sense um now there's another one which is that this is just a case of mistaken identity um oh. of the amphisbanian which is that like snake wormy type thing um because here's the thing so scientists and zoologists were like listen even if this thing exists it's not a worm because Worms need moisture to survive, and there is not enough moisture in the Gobi Desert for a worm to survive. 
But it could, I mean, it could just look like a worm. Like it, it could be a part of the snake family, like the amphisbanium. Right. So that's, that's kind of what they're saying. They're saying okay, that basically okay. like this thing can't be a worm. If anything, it's an amphisbanian. Uh, but, uh, but it looks so different. Right. And the amphisbanium looks so much smaller. Yeah. Like the might be like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> little, I'm like a little pet. <laughs> the Mongolian death worm. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, so that's, I mean, this is what zoologists are saying, who are the rational people trying to, like, I come mean, up with things. I guess they know a little more than me, I would yeah, say, too, same. so. <laughs> um, I, I agree, like, I, too. They know more than me. Fine. But I'm still going to push their buttons. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think that one of them, one of them did say, though, that he was like, listen, I'm not ruling out that this is a, this is an unknown species or a cryptid. Sure. Um, he was like, I just don't think it's a worm. Um, he was like, I think if anything, this is an amphisbanian that we haven't figured out yet. Um, and there are other worm or uh, sorry, not worms. There are other snakes in the like that are known in the Gobi. Okay. Um, but then they were like, listen, because apparently this thing, you know, can shoot venom and which is not uncommon for snakes like they're like cobras do shoot venom um and there are other ones um and apparently this thing also i forget if i told you apparently this thing can also like uh, like has electricity with it so like when it's going under like it like can shock you and stuff oh she's sparky yeah she's sparky um and they're saying that i mean electric eels can do that yeah so all the things that are being claimed that this cryptid can do are not far off from like actual animals. Yeah, like, yeah. like proven things. Sure. Um, that's interesting. So that's kind of why they're like there is some merit to it because like it's not like this thing is claimed to, I don't know, like do fly. In yeah, the sky. Or fly in the sky and then dive into the sand. Like right. yeah. Um, but so about forty years ago. There was a Russian publication called The Amphibians of Mongolia. Mongolia. Oh. Not Mongolia. Um, close to Magnolia. Magnolia, baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but so basically the author's name is Yuri um, Gorlov and he's a zoologist um, and he worked in Mongolia in the 70s. And he talks about a time when he shared a picture of a snake called the Tartar sand boa um, to locals. And they confirmed that picture was the Mongolian death worm. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me this thing right here is what you guys see. And they apparently were like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he was like, case, case closed. I case solved closed. it. Case Done. Um, he was like, oh my gosh, I solved this thing. So this snake, I mean, it, it's definitely a snake. Like, um, it's not, it's not like a worm. It's not a worm. Is <laughs> um, it this big? This Mongolian death worm, she could be seven feet. I don't trust her. Right. Um, so I'm going to send you a picture of this because I think there is something interesting about the sand boa. Um, you know, like we've all seen snakes. Um, oh my God. So although they don't grow, like basically the females can reach up to four feet in length. Um, okay. and the males are much smaller, um, because females rule in the animal kingdom. Absolutely. Um, amen. Um, but 
the thing that is interesting about the snake is its head it looks like it looks less like a snake like you know it doesn't have a diamond head it doesn't mm-hmm. have um that kind of like cone shape it's like it's a dome like it, it yeah, looks like a worm it does look like a worm head um apparently though these creatures are very docile like they've been kept in captivity before um and they explain that their behavior is very docile um and the biggest thing is that the snakes are non-venomous oh so i don't know i feel like you i feel like that's like obviously not it yeah, if if so much of the evidence is that like oh there was venom in right. the imprint the sand or like there's so much of the evidence proves that there's venom that I think that's not okay. Yeah, like it just can't be. Yeah, it can't be that. Um, also, the pictures and the sketches of the Mongolian deathworm. She looks thick. Yeah, she she a big girl. Um, yeah. And that is definitely not, like, this snake is not. She's more snake-like. She's more yeah. thin, luxurious. Um, yeah, which is, like, that's odd. That's weird. Right. Um, so there's one more kind of explanation for what this thing might be. Um, and it has to do with something that is involved with all cryptid cases, which is folklore. Um, Taylor Swift? Is that yes. you? Yes, exactly. T Swift is the reason this cryptid is. (laughs) Um, So some some cryptozoologists believe that this, and even scientists and zoologists, just people in general that investigate this, think that this is nothing like oh nothing, nothing, (laughs) nothing more than a boogeyman story, um, to try to keep kids away from snakes. Um, because in the Gobi, there are other, um, desert-like animals that are venomous, um, and they don't, like, that, I mean, and even with the boa, although it's non-venomous, it can still bite, and I'm, if it's a boa, it means it can constrict, um. Right. So, either way, they shouldn't be touching these animals. Right. So, some think that it was created by early settlers or, nomads or villagers um, as a kind of way to keep their kids from hurting themselves in the desert when they were roaming okay. by themselves. Um, and then it just took a life of its own. Like it just it spiraled ran. out of control. Yeah. Um, the thing about it though, is that doesn't explain all the sightings. Um, right. It doesn't explain how um, and I mean, like, technically, again, yeah, we talked about this. All the stories were secondhand accounts. Sure. Which could just be that silly game of telephone where mm-hmm. it started as one thing and now it's, you know, something That's huge. Right, right, right. Um, and this is, like, not uncommon in cryptid cases. And it's one thing you kind of have to think about in everything um, to be able to think about it logically and see it as a big picture. Um and in this case, although, like, part of me leans towards it just being folklore in a story, I just don't see how something like this could warrant so many different expeditions. Yeah. Over the course of, like, a hundred years. Because, like, scientists are smart. 
Right. It wouldn't go. <laughs> that's that's the that's, that's, that's the cold it. case right there. Scientists are smart. Like they, I don't think a, so many of them would go after something, like spend all the money, do all the traveling, spend their time. Like they only get to look for a certain number of things in their lifetime. You know, like yeah. I don't think they would want to waste that on something that they truly didn't believe they would actually find something. And obviously they didn't, but like right. they believed it that they something was there. Right, and. And even like the villagers believe that something is there. Like, right. um, you know, you can't make up the story, like seeing these people talking to camera crews being like, I mean, like saying, telling their side of the story or saying what they saw. Um, and that's how, that's, that's kind of where I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's just folklore. If Yeah. I mean, like there are probably not very nice people out there that are, you know, making up stories and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it just seems like I think I think if anything, I'm I'm more leaning towards this being an Amphisbanian that either hasn't been found yet. Um like or, a different species of Amphisbanian. Yeah, that would I mean, be like, that makes a lot of sense. Right, because because like, you know, we're finding scientists and zoologists are finding new species like on the daily. Right. Um, so and especially what's what is interesting is it's a lot of like reptiles that they are finding um and sea creatures as well because only five percent of the ocean has been discovered right but um you know i don't know i feel like nobody's gone into the gobi desert and like you know went through all the sand to figure out what was there well also like how many because maybe it doesn't attack when there's a ton of people like maybe she's shy right I mean, it could be like that's a that's a normal predatory thing yeah. is to pick your battles. Um, and so she, like the Mongolian deathworm, is like that. Like you know, as sad as it is, that little boy is by himself. Right. I can take him down. Right. Because um, it also might. I mean, maybe these sketches and stuff are wrong. Like maybe it's not that big. Maybe it's right. actually very small. So, you know, the you don't you don't attack something that could potentially kill you if it's right. bigger or more powerful than you. So if there's more people, then obviously it would be like... Right. And we know of snake... I mean, like, the boa constrictors are massive. Like, right. They are massive, and they are on the chunkier side. No offense to them. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think especially if they ate a human, they'd be on the even chunkier they'd be, side. They'd be very She'd full. be chunky. Um, <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Maybe this is, like, an Amphisbanian that is some... Like, maybe looks like the sand like maybe looks like this tartar sand boa but is a bigger version of it right or something like that i don't know i just feel like that's and and nonetheless that would still be considered a cryptid because it's a creature that has not been proven to yes so So Um, but i i don't know i really think like i don't think this is i don't think that it's i don't think it's like the mongolian death worm like i don't think it's this worm with teeth and little talons that right. all the pictures show um or like in tremors where it like opens its mouth and it like eats people i don't think it's wow. that uh, because if it was that i feel like it would have taken over the world by now probably um so I don't at know, least just, the gobi desert at least the gobi desert gobi yeah. would be like off limits guys yeah that worm's got it um yeah I, I don't know i just feel like if anything this is a species that we haven't found out yet so what it is yeah. yeah so technically that does mean that it's so cryptid. It's cryptid. but <laughs> i do wish i wish that there were more like 
picture. Like, I wish there was photo evidence. Right. Like, or just, just tail. Yeah, something. And even more, like, recent, too. Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing. That's the only part of this that I'm like, mm. boo. Like, I don't know. Like, that, Or they may weird. have found it. Like, yeah, it might be something that they've already found. And they but, just haven't put the pieces together yet. I mean, scientists are smart. I'm sure they would put the pieces together. But but nonetheless, like, sometimes yeah. things get swamped. They got other priorities, too. Yeah. They got other stuff to find. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, um, in, in both of the, at least the both the episodes of, like, the shows that I watched about the, um, like, the people going to find them, um, they set out trap cameras. They did all these things. Oh, yeah. And they didn't catch any, like, worm type thing. But also, if this thing lives in the sand, you're not going to catch it. Right. Why the fuck would it be out on the like, <laughs> land if it doesn't have to be? Right. That's true. So we that, get some, like, underground sand cameras up in here. I know. I, th- I mean, like, honestly, what they need to do- Well, here's the other thing, now that I'm thinking about it. Oh. Does this thing have pre-existing tunnels in the sand? Or does it just forge a tunnel right. as it moves? She got to be strong. Sand is tough. Yeah. And that's like a lot of sand to move to. Yeah. But because like, I'm trying to like, you know, moles and voles and whatever, all the things that live in the ground. Yeah. They have to make tunnels. Like, you know, like even right. ants, they have to make tunnels in their, in their little sand or dirt but piles. I feel like they would have seen, cause you always see like gopher holes. I feel like they would have been like, right. ah, the Mongolian death worm hole. <laughs> and here's the thing also is that in the desert, there are so many lizards and um, other snakes and probably like rodents too. Like I think mice, some mice live in the desert. Or I'm not a desert expert, but um, <laughs> to the point where there probably are holes around. Yeah. But since they think this thing is massive, they're like, well, that can't be its hole. Can't fit in there. Right, right, right. right. Where maybe this unknown thing is not as big as people claim it to be right that is like that's where it lives and then you're just walking like you're missing it completely right i think Um, that's because you know like when 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 our lives are at stake um and we're scared um i've been there a couple times (laughs) yeah right our brain makes up the size of things like can exaggerate details um so maybe that's exactly what happened like yeah because honestly, like two to seven feet, that's not that, that's not that big. Like, yeah. When we're talking, feet, I mean, if we're talking about a worm, it's big. But if you're talking about right. like a human, like. Yeah. Or even or a snake. Like a bear, like, a snake. Like, because boa constrictors are, can like, if you like hold that shit up. Right. She, like, she lengthy. The, they are lengthy girls. <laughs> would be in a legs musical. Yeah. <laughs> the showgirl of she's animals. A show, truly. She's a showgirl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's going to be your quote for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so like, I don't know, maybe I just feel like this is, I feel like this is a mistaken identity. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it for sh- like, I'm a hundred percent sure. No, that's a lie. Case cold. I'm 99.9% sure that it's mistaken just mistaken identity. identity. I could see that. I think if they did want to try to prove something, they need to get like vibration trackers. Like they need yeah. to set out some, and then they could dive into where that is. I think mm-hmm. I'm going with that. And I, and I think that, like, it's not like a two nights in the desert type thing. No, 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 no. no. We're talking years. Yeah, like, I feel like this is a, you got to move there because 
Yeah, like, someone's got to dedicate their life to yeah. figuring this out. Because the locals are saying they see this thing, and obviously right. they're going to see it more than anybody else because they live there. Right. Um, and also, like, I'm sure, I mean, most animals are fairly intelligent to, in the sense of, like, survival. Mm-hmm. Of, like, either they see it, feel it, hear it, whatever. But they're mm-hmm. like, this smells like danger to me. So, so I'm, I'm not going, it. like, absolutely. I'm, like, that's not where I'm going to be. Um, so yeah, like if there's a bunch of people just fucking walking around the desert where people right. normally don't go. Hunting. Yeah. Like, I feel like any species would be like, no, thank absolutely you. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm going to stay under home. the ground. <laughs> like, uh, and even, and even if they do come up, like, I don't know, like, I just, I just, I just don't, I don't, I don't buy this as a giant worm thing. Yeah. And no one's ever taken a picture of. And yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like case closed. Yeah. Just misidentified. Misidentification. Yeah. Classic misidentification. Well, thanks, Carly, for coming on. Oh my gosh. Thank you. So fun to have you. And thanks for all your expertise. Yeah. You know. You know, I give what I can. <laughs> you're so, you're Not, such a I'm no scientist, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, thank you. Much thanks. Yes. Love, love the weird club. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? Is the Mongolian death worm really out there? We are on Instagram at out there cryptids. So make sure to follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on the cryptids we cover and what you'd like to hear next. It would mean a lot to us if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It's a great way for other people to find the podcast and enjoy, just like you. One week from today, I will be covering a case about a man who believes he is a werewolf. The case of Bill Ramsey. See you next week. This episode was written and hosted by me, Josh, with logo designed by Jason Zykes and theme music from purpleplanet.com.